Lord Jesus, forever you are glorified. Forever you have risen high. Forever you are risen, you are alive. And we celebrate that. Lord, may the things that you want to say to each of us be planted deep in our hearts today. For your glory we pray. Amen. 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 may be seated. We're starting a new series. It's called Seeing Jesus because, you know, we, we read and study about Jesus in, in the Scriptures. And it's so that we can come to know more about Him so that we can know Him better. It, it's important. You know, like we've said already, He is God. And if you want to know what God is like, then look at Jesus. Study Jesus. Seek Jesus. See Jesus. So we're going to look at him through the eyes of, of some of his earliest followers and biographers. We have, we have documents that were written 2,000 years ago that, that talk about Jesus. And so we're going to look into those. Now, the reading we just had was written by one of Jesus' closest followers. His name was Matthew. And he gives the same basic accounts that several others give about what happened that Easter morning. But Matthew includes this this little sentence, this phrase that nobody else includes. And it it means so much that Matthew included it. And so to understand that, we're going to go back and look a little bit into the life of, of Matthew so that we know how he saw Jesus. Okay, uh, We don't really know much about Matthew. Matthew was included in lists of who the disciples were, and he was one of the, the first 12 disciples of, of Jesus. Uh, we know that he was present in the, in the upper room before Pentecost. But then three of the biographies about Jesus have this, this account of how Matthew came to be a disciple. Matthew even writes about it himself. But I wanted you to hear it from somebody else's point of view. So we're going to look at it as, as Mark wrote it, because Mark brings out, like Luke does, Mark brings out that Matthew wasn't even called Matthew when he first met Jesus. He was called Levi. This is what, what was said about how Matthew, who was known as Levi at the time, how Levi came to know Jesus. It says in Mark 2, as Jesus was walking along, he saw Levi. And we know that that's Matthew. That's the one that wrote the gospel, the the biography of Jesus. He saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, yeah, that one, sitting at his tax collector's booth. So Levi was a tax collector. Now, I, I don't know if you know any tax collectors, but let's assume that being a tax collector doesn't elevate Levi in your estimation, right? Now, nothing against our IRS. That's not for today. But at the time, that was devastating to be known as as a tax collector. It was awful. It defined his life. Tax collectors like Levi were Jewish men who went to work for the Roman government, the Romans who had invaded their country and held it by force. They occupied it. So if you were collecting taxes for Rome, you were a traitor of the, of the highest awfulness of traitors. He was, uh, 
He was not only a traitor to his own country, he, he was known for taking bribes. They took bribes from the rich. They extorted the poor and the middle class. They amassed their own fortune off of their own countrymen at the point of a sword. Most of the Jews, by the way, they believed it wasn't right to pay taxes at all. Anybody? No, never mind. We won't go there. <laughs> they thought that the only ones that deserved, the only one that deserved to ask for their money was God himself. So if you were a tax collector taking it for Rome, not only are you a traitor, you're against God. It was a bad thing to be a tax collector. They didn't like the choices that, that Levi had made. Now, how about you? Have you ever made a choice that other people look down on? Have you ever made choices that somebody didn't approve of? Now, you may have even made choices that define where you can and you cannot have Easter dinner today. Right? You may not be allowed or they can't come over because of the choices that have been made. You, you're not welcome there for Thanksgiving or they're, they're not welcome with you. That was, that was Levi. When, when a Jewish person entered into the customs service, when he became a tax collector, he was regarded as an outcast. He had made a choice that excluded him from the community from then on. He wasn't welcome anymore in the synagogue. He couldn't go worship anymore. They didn't want him there. He, even if he was a witness that would normally be called into a court case, they wouldn't accept testimony from Levi because tax collectors are notorious liars. You cannot trust them. They sell their souls for money. They can be bribed and they bribe others. So he, they wouldn't allow his testimony in court. In, in the eyes of the community, in the eyes of everybody who lived in Capernaum where Levi lived, he was an outcast. He was disgusting. He was disgraced. And so was his family. His choice not only affected him, it affected his family. Think about what it was like for Levi. I hope you've never experienced that because of your choices. But think about what that was like for Levi. Now, we know that Levi was a businessman because the, the reason that people became tax collectors isn't because they were forced to. The Roman government sold franchises. And it was so lucrative, you could make so much money if you were the tax collector for, the, for an area that Jewish people who were wealthy would pay lots of money so that they could buy the tax franchise and set it up so that they could become even wealthier. Levi had paid for the privilege. He had, by choice, turned his back on his country and on his God. No wonder they looked down on him. He, he would have paid a fortune to be the tax collector he invested in it because it was the best get-rich scheme around. It cost him and his family their reputation and their friends, but they were wealthy. What does that say about his mindset? What were his values? 
Number one, money. Material things. That was his number one thing. We know that because he was a tax collector. He did it by choice. He, he didn't value family, friends, God, nearly as much as he valued money. He was looking out for number one. He could be bought. Now, most of us, we don't set out to alienate friends and family. We think we have good reasons for doing what we're doing. We can justify the choices that we make. You may have, you may have justified the choices that you've made. You have good reasons for doing it. But to some extent, aren't we all broken people that make broken choices? I'm in. Broken people. We make choices that, that even we are ashamed of, don't we? Now, in all likelihood, Levi had a quota of that he had to send to Rome. You know, you have to send us this much every month. But Rome, to back him up, to keep him from getting beat up and to make sure he got the taxes, they supported him as a tax collector by having soldiers guard him and back him up. They were the goon squad. Levi would set up shop maybe on the road coming into town, and everybody coming into town, you had to go into town, everybody coming into town, you'd be taxed to use the road. You'd be taxed because of what you were bringing in to sell. You'd be taxed because of what you bought and were taking out. You'd be taxed because you existed. That means you'd be shaken down and be, you were forced to give them money at the point of a spear or a sword, and you didn't have a choice. No wonder he was despised. They would have hated Levi. Rome wanted their taxes, so they provided the muscle. And they were happy that there were people like Levi willing to, to step in. Now, the people of Levi's day, if you have a tax collector in your neighborhood and this is what he's like, you don't even want to remember his name, do you? You, you want him to be erased hopefully from the earth, certainly from our town, and you never want to think about him again, right? And here it is 2,000 years later, and we know about him. We know about him. Why do we know about Levi? Because he met Jesus. And it changed his life. Mark goes on to say, when Jesus sees Levi and, and he comes over, he, he speaks to Levi. That must have been a little bit weird. Nobody talked to Levi. They all wanted to avoid him. But he comes up and he talks to Levi and he says, Levi, follow me and be my disciple. So Levi got up and followed him. Now, now, to us, that seems like, wow, that escalated quickly. You know, the, the first thing that Jesus says, hey, come along, and, and he leaves it and goes on. Ooh, 
you know, the angels must have been singing, heaven must have opened up, it must have been glowing going on, and he didn't know what he was doing. And he, no, I think if any of that stuff had happened, if anything supernatural had happened at that point, somebody would have talked about it. Levi himself, when he wrote the biography of, of this is how I came to be his follower, it, it, he would have said it. It would have justified his reason. But we don't have any of that. There's no heaven opening and light shining and angels singing. And but here's what I think really happened. The truth is, we know that this happened in a really small town on the north side of Galilee called Capernaum. It's where Levi lived. It's where he, he collected his taxes, was in Capernaum. It's, it's not very big. If you go and visit Israel today, you can go and visit Capernaum. And really, the whole town isn't much bigger than if you put our parking lot and building together over with the Walmart parking lot. That's about how big it is. It's not big. Anybody ever lived in a small town? You know stuff, don't you? You know your neighbor. You can't keep secrets in a small town. I grew up in a small town. All right, so Levi lived at least close by. He was there every day. And we know that Jesus, when he started his ministry, he moved into Capernaum. That was his base. That's where he lived. He was bunking with Peter. Peter lived in Capernaum. And it became the center of his operations. It was his home base. And Levi would have seen Jesus an awful lot because Jesus did an awful lot before he even called Levi to come. Capernaum was where Jesus did a lot of miracles. Um, he healed a lot of people. Simon Peter's mother-in-law was healed. Levi would have heard about it. It's a small town. He would have known. Uh, there was a, a royal official whose son was, was close to death, and Jesus healed the royal official's son. News gets out. Can't keep secrets in a small town. Levi would have known. Jesus is... There's something about him. Uh, there was, you remember the, the account about the, the paralytic, the paralyzed guy who, who couldn't get up. He was just carried around by his friends on a mat. And, and they were trying to get to Jesus, but there's this big crowd. And, and so they can't get to Jesus. So they crawl up on the roof and they dig a hole through the roof and let the paralyzed guy down. Okay, that happened in Capernaum. What did Jesus do? Tells the guy, get up. Pick up your mouth. Go. You're healed. News gets out, y'all. Levi would have known. Jesus cast out demons out of people in there. You can't keep that a secret. He, he raised Jairus' daughter from the dead in Capernaum. That's news. Levi knows. There was a centurion servant. The centurion comes up to Jesus in Capernaum and says, Hey, my servant is, is near death. Would you heal him? And so they're going, but there's a crowd and it's hard to get through. And, 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 the, and the centurion, this Roman soldier in charge of a hundred other men, says, Hold on. I'm a man under orders. I know what orders are. If you give the order, it'll happen. You don't have to come to my house. And Jesus, you remember, he was like, whoa, I haven't seen faith like that in Israel. And he said, okay, he's healed. And at that instant, we're told, the servant was healed. Now, 
not only would Levi have known about that, that may have been especially poignant to Levi because if this is the centurion over that area, his soldiers were the goon squad. They sat around and talked about this. Levi knows Jesus. We're told later on that that Jesus had a lot of undesirable people about him. People that normally you don't want to hang out with people like that. Well, Jesus was hanging out with them. And it makes me wonder, does Matthew look at Jesus at all these times that maybe he's literally rubbing shoulders with Jesus when they pass by in the alleyway? It makes me wonder, does, does, Matt, does Levi, Levi at the time, does Levi look at Jesus and, and think, wow, I, w- I wonder if you'd ever let me come and listen? Because nobody let Levi come and listen, right? They hated him. He was despicable. It was in Capernaum that, that Jesus called the fishermen, Simon, Andrew, James, and John. That, that's where he called them and said, hey, Y'all come follow me. They'd seen enough. They, they started following. Levi knew that. He knew them. It's like, whoa, he even let smelly fishermen come. I wonder if he'd let me. But nobody lets Levi come. Because Levi's a tax collector. And he's a traitor. And he's a liar. And you don't look at people like Levi. Tax collectors? He wasn't just a sinner. I mean, they talked about sinners, right? There was a special category of sinners called tax collectors. The normal sinners didn't want to be associated with them. You read in the Bible, you find out there were sinners and tax collectors. Nobody wanted to be around. Even the sinners didn't want to be around tax collectors. They're scum. But Jesus was not a mystical stranger to Levi. They lived in a small town, you know. And for all the money that Levi had, he could not buy acceptance. Jesus certainly didn't seem to be swayed by money. He didn't have anything himself. So that had to be in Levi's heart when Jesus comes walking up. Now, I want to draw your attention that says here, As Jesus walked along, he saw Levi. That's a bad translation. If you look at the word that's written there, it means he stared at Levi. Now, I want you to to think about if you were in Levi's position, everybody hates you. You're despicable. Nobody wants to talk to you. They avoid you if they can. You were never on anybody's Christmas list, right? And here's Jesus, and you see Jesus coming. You're, you know, and you've got that, oh. In you, you're looking at Jesus. Jesus is walking along and then he stops. And he stares at you. What's going through Levi's mind? Uh Uh-oh. He's about to give me the what for. The people that are with Jesus. Jesus has some disciples hanging out with him. They're, he, everywhere he went, there were crowds. So there's this crowd of people. They're like, whoa, Jesus stopped. What's he doing? Uh-oh, he's staring at the, at the tax collector. <laughs> he's going to give him the what for. Oh, this is going to be good. I mean, seriously, picture it. What is that like for Levi? Is, is this 
Does his stomach drop out? You know, it's, ugh. And then Jesus comes walking over, and it's like, uh-oh, it's about to hit. And then when, when Jesus walks up, he says something that Levi never expected, and nobody has said to him, maybe in years, maybe in decades, he says, hey, come with me. What does that mean to Levi? What does that mean to Levi? No wonder Levi got up and left everything. Somebody cared about Levi enough to look past what he did. To see who he was. That's what Jesus does. How do you feel when, when you have a light shining? You're in somebody's spotlight. And, you know, people are looking and they're like, oh, why'd you make that choice? And you feel like even heaven is probably looking at you and... But when Jesus walks up to you, he says, hey, I want you to come with me. I want you to, to be my disciple. I want you to learn from me. I want to spend time with you. That changes things. That changes things. Now, some of you, you may kind of be wondering, why am I even in church on Sunday morning? You know, because these church people, they're the ones that made me avoid church for a long time. They're the ones that looked at me and about my choices. I'm sorry, first of all, on behalf of the church, I apologize to you. I mean, you, you know, take some comfort in the fact that this is where hypocrites are, right? Just don't worry about it. I mean, this, what a, but what a better place There isn't one because this is the community of Jesus who comes up and doesn't do that, but instead says, I see you. Come with me. Levi walked away from the best franchise he could ever have been in. Is it any surprise? He also walked away from the loneliness. He walked away from the hatred. He walked away from the unhealthy friendships. Because the only, the only friends that a tax collector had were tax collectors. Misery loves company. He walked away from the dis, dishonor that his family to belong to Jesus because Jesus saw him differently, just like Jesus sees you differently. But the only other thing that we know about Jesus, or excuse me, the only other thing we know about Levi is Levi threw a party. He was so excited about this that he threw a party and made Jesus the guest of honor and invited his disciples to come. And I bet his disciples were like, we're going where? says, later, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests. 
But if you're going to have a party and you're going to have a guest of honor, you've got to have some other people. And the only other people that he could invite were tax collectors. So they were there along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. But there were many people of this kind among Jesus' followers. Evidently, Jesus may have brought these disreputable sinners because nobody else would want to be around tax collectors. But when the teachers of the religious law, who were Pharisees, they saw Jesus eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with these scum? But Jesus didn't care, did he? See, Jesus looks at who you are. He'll deal with what you do. Because when you're with Jesus, you change. Because Jesus, he heard them. He heard these Pharisees talking to his disciples. And he's like, oh, I've got to say something about that. So he got up and he looked at the Pharisees and he said, you know what? Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people need a doctor. I haven't called, I haven't come to, to call those who think they're righteous. I've come to call those who know they're sinners, the ones who know that they're broken, the ones who know that they don't have it all together, the ones who have made choices that really, yeah, if I could go back, I'd make a different one. That's who Jesus came to call. Jesus doesn't really care how broken we are, how far from him we find ourselves. He wants to make us whole by bringing us close to him. And if we will come close to him, if we'll say, yeah, okay, well, I'll I'll come with you. I'll spend some time with you, Jesus. It changes lives. The only prerequisite is that you have to know you're broken. You have to know you need a doctor. You have to know you don't have it all together. That's what it means to be a sinner. And and Jesus, later on in other places, he went on to tell us this is why he came and why he went to the cross was to make a way to to overcome that sin nature, that nature that we have to do broken things, to be broken people and to live in brokenness, he, he overcame that at the very root of where it comes from. But that's, you know, that's another sermon for another time. But two or three years later, when Jesus goes and dies on a Roman cross, it wasn't a, a tragedy to Levi just because Jesus didn't deserve it. He didn't deserve it, did he? It was a tragedy, yes, but it wasn't a tragedy to Levi because of that. Levi had another reason that was much more personal. Because along the way, Levi wasn't called Levi anymore. Being with Jesus changes you. And Jesus would recognize that. And names have meanings. Names have meanings. 
And Jesus would rename people. And he'd start calling them something different. And, and by the time Jesus goes to the cross, Levi isn't known as Levi anymore. He's known as Matthew. Do you know what Matthew means? A gift from God. Levi, the despised, hated tax collector, the liar, the cheat, is now reminded every time somebody calls his name and says, Hey, Matthew, pass the salt. It's a reminder to him, No, 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 you're a gift from God. Hey, Matthew, come over here with me. Hey, gift from God, come over here. Hey, Matthew, catch. It's a reminder, you're a gift from God. What does that mean to Matthew? It changed his life. Jesus is a name changer. He changed Simon Peter's name from Simon to Peter. Simon is a a reed blown by the wind, wishy-washy. Peter, Petrus, is a rock. Peter, the wishy-washy guy, Simon, Simon became Peter. He became a leader in the early church that stood firm. And it's on the foundation of people like Peter that you are sitting here today. So when Matthew wrote this biography of Jesus who changed his life, He included something that none of the other biographers included. We read it this morning. Let's get to it. Early on Sunday morning, that first Easter, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. They went to visit the tomb because Jesus was dead. They thought it was done. They thought it was over. He was killed on a Roman cross. Romans knew how to kill people. Jesus is dead as a doornail. They put him in a tomb. They go. To, these ladies go to the tomb because a couple of guys put him in there. These women knew the guys didn't do it right, so they came to, to make sure it was done right. <laughs> Truth. Suddenly there's a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and rolled aside the stone and sat on it. And his face shone like lightning. This wasn't a normal guy. And his clothing was white as snow. And the guards shook with fear when they saw him and they fainted. These men who were battle tested. This was too much for them. Overloaded their circuits. Then the angel spoke to the women. Don't be afraid, he said. You ever notice how every time angels appear to somebody, they have to say, "Uh -uh, uh-uh, don't be afraid. Angels are fearsome creatures. They're not little cherubs. Beak. (laughs) There's a reason that they tell people, don't be afraid. And, And then he says, I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. Jesus who died on a Roman cross. Because of our sin nature. And because he had to do something. It's why he came. And for Matthew, 
for whom Jesus was everything and the reason that he was a different man. Matthew, when Jesus died, had nothing left. The Romans didn't want him back. He couldn't go back to work with them. Jesus is gone. They killed him. They're probably coming after us next. Some of his family and friends probably still didn't trust him yet. The ones that trusted him were sitting in a circle with him, and they might be on the chopping block too. They're all scared, all the other disciples. If Jesus hadn't really risen from the dead, these guys, they would have, to save their own skins, they would have just melted away into the woodwork. They would have gone somewhere else to save their own skins because it was over. It was done. We would never have heard of Matthew no matter what you called him. You never would have heard of Jesus. Who cares about a carpenter from around the other side of the world who was a criminal put to death? Like a, You know, you never would have heard of Jesus except for what happens. And it's the reason that we're here this morning. The angel goes on. He isn't here. He's risen from the dead just as he said would happen. Come, see where his body was lying. If this didn't really happen, Matthew never would have written his biography. Mark never would have written the biography. Luke never would have written the biography. John never would have written the biography. You never would have heard about it. Do you know what? We don't believe this stuff because the Bible says it. The Bible, the New Testament, it wasn't around when this happened. This event is why we believe it. It, This is the reason that the Bible was written. This is the reason that Matthew wrote his biography was because of the resurrection. The reason there's a New Testament is because of the resurrection. It's because of an event. And if that event never happened, you wouldn't have it. But Matthew had to write it down. And he had to write it down for what's coming next. The angel says to the woman, now go go quickly. Tell his disciples he's risen from the dead. Jesus wants them to know. Jesus wants you to know he's risen from the dead. He's going ahead of you to Galilee. You'll see him there. Remember what I've told you. I think he had to say that because they were scared. They might not remember. Remember that. The women ran quickly from the tomb. Of course, they were scared. They were very frightened, but also filled with great joy. They rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. As they went, something unexpected happened. They bump into Jesus. Jesus met them and greeted them. That had to surprise them. They did not expect to see a walking around Jesus that morning. You may have come here not expecting to find a living Jesus. Guess what? He's here. But they saw him. And it says they ran to him and grasped his feet. He's real. They worshiped him because he deserves it. And then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Why? They were probably a little nervous, like, what is going on? But Jesus is approachable. He's real. Yeah, he's worthy of our worship. Don't be afraid. And then, finally, 
Jesus said something that only Matthew records. The other biographies don't have this in it, but Matthew does. And I think now you'll understand why. He says, go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee. They'll see me there. What do you think happened in Matthew's heart when he heard that message? See, he'd started out as an outcast that nobody would talk to. And Jesus talked to him. And he went in and became a follower of Jesus. He was kind of like a servant. He's a disciple. And at some point later on, Jesus said, you know what? I'm not calling you servants and disciples anymore. You're my friends. And now, Jesus is telling Matthew and the others, you're my family. You're my family. I don't care your background. You're mine. I will claim you. You can have Thanksgiving dinner with me anytime. You're my family. And nobody else records that sentence. Only Matthew does. And I think it's because of what this meant to Matthew. But that's what Jesus does. Jesus sees you. He knows. And he comes and says, hey, come. Follow me. Be my disciple. And he makes you his family. He has risen from the dead. He has snapped off the problem at the root. You've got a brand new life ahead of you when you meet Jesus. It is life changing. Now, the only way to truly find God is through Jesus. To have such a relationship of intimacy with Him He is really, truly raised from the dead. He is alive. Alleluia. He knows. He sees you right where you are. You may, you may be like Levi anywhere along the journey. You may feel like you're the outcast. You may feel like, yeah, you know, I used to be in. I, then that thing happened. And, I, I, you know, church haven't really been much. You may be disheartened because of the tragedy that happened in your life. And it made you wonder if God was even real, like Matthew wondered when Jesus went to death on the cross. He, he, he wondered. He said, I thought this was the one, and, and it's not. He's dead. You may question everything you believe, but let me tell you what. Jesus is calling you to come. And this may be your morning. If you want to get closer to Jesus, especially if you've never met him before, I want to pray for you. I want you to come up here so that I can pray for you and welcome you into the family of Jesus. Because he's alive. He is risen. He sees. He knows. He cares. And Matthew is our example of the life to be changed. So if that's you, seriously, I know it's weird. Here, we're Anglicans, after all, aren't we too stately? For No, 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 no. Let's not miss an opportunity. 
If you want to get closer to Jesus, it doesn't matter what other people think. I don't care. Come on up here right now. Come up and let's pray together. And I want to welcome you to the family and invite you to have dinner with us. So if that's you, come on up. I'll give it a moment. If you're sitting there wrestling, I get it. It's okay. It's all right. Amen. Thanks be to God. Musicians, will you lead us in the chorus? We'll take a minute or two here.
Alleluia. Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Alleluia. Let's pray and then we'll enter into uh, tomorrow prayer.